Hey, Katie. What's up, Ben? Sup. So what are we talking about uh, this week? Today is Multi-Arm Bandit Day. I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. But wait, that's your, that's your Twitter handle. That's my Twitter handle. I think it's a cool name, and uh, Katie Malone or whatever was taken. So, wait, but it's a uh, it's so a it's actually a thing. Joke. Yeah, no, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. I thought I thought it was just some random weird name that you made up. No, it's a way of running experiments. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. So I guess we'll talk about that. You are listening to Linear Digressions. Okay, so it's a it's a way of running experiments. Yeah. So, so and so actually, we, I should mention before mm-hmm. we get started that our last episode was all about correlation and causation. If you haven't listened to that one, uh, that'd be a wonderful one to listen bef- listen to before this one. You don't have to, but uh, it'd be cool. Yeah. So what we talked about there a lot was things like A/B tests and how running experiments, randomly assigning people to uh, the various kinds of like groups that you want to test out, how that allows you to actually figure out if the thing that you're testing is what's actually causing the difference that you see in the outcomes for different groups. So uh, one of the examples that we used was like drug trials, that you have to randomly allocate people to either get the placebo or to get the, the drug. And then that way, if the people who are getting the medicine that's being tested, if you see them doing better than the placebo group, you can say with confidence that it's because the medicine is actually making them better and it's not some kind of selection effect or them, you know, having uh, just being happy with the fact that they're getting some kind of treatment, even if the treatment is a sugar pill or something, because you've investigated that possibility in the placebo group. Um, But one of the things that you pointed out quite properly, is there's a cost to it, it can be kind of expensive. Yeah. So one of the things that you pointed out is that you're going to be knowingly sending some of the people in your experiment uh, down a path that you don't think is going to be particularly beneficial. So if I have an old crappy website and I'm A-B testing to see if my new better website is going to have a higher conversion rate, then the way that I run that experiment means that I have to send some people still to my old crappy website and potentially sort of lose out on some conversions as a result. Whereas right. if I were to send them all to my new website, then maybe the performance would jump, but I also wouldn't have as good of an understanding of exactly why it had changed. And you pointed out, rightfully so, that uh, the cost can be more significant than that. Like in health trials, if you split the group down the middle 50-50, then you're sending 50% of the people down a path where they're literally just getting a sugar pill rather than a treatment that could actually uh, really benefit them or even save their life. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's the that's the kind of uh, cost, I, ca- I guess, that comes with doing proper experiments to figure out whether whether it's a causation, a causal relationship or just a correlation. Yeah, so multi-arm bandit is an experimental framework that helps you deal with this exact uh, situation where it's sort of costing you things to try to run this experiment and you want to arrive at the correct answer sort of as quickly as possible. But you also start out sort of in a state where you don't know anything and so you don't know what the best path is. And right. the reason why this is called a multi-arm bandit is... Um, so it comes from originally the term one-armed bandit. Have you ever heard that term? Uh, I, yeah, I have. Do you know what it is? No, I don't. It's a slot machine. Oh, one-armed bandit is a slot machine? Uh, yeah, it's just like a dumb, I don't know, old-timey nickname for slot machines, as they would call them one-armed bandits. Because the mm-hmm. idea is the slot machine has the arm, you pull the arm, and then it, it usually takes your money, but sometimes it gives you a whole bunch of money, and so people gamble at them. Ah, uh, yeah. And so it's going to take your money in some probabilistic way. And and so there's going to be some some function that tells you probabilistically, oh, you could get a payout at a certain rate. 
So let's say that you have a, a slot machine and 10% of the time it's going to pay out and you have another slot machine that's sitting right next to it and that slot machine is going to pay out but only 5% of the time and in all of the respects are the same. So you have to put in the same amount of money and when they pay out, it's the same amount of money and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so you walking up to this, these two slot machines, you don't know which one of them is the looser slot machine but you want to find that one as quickly as possible and then play it. And so that's where multi-arm bandit comes from, is you imagine a whole bank of these slot machines. And the problem is, how do you as quickly as possible, or sort of as quickly as possible and making as much money as possible, figure out what's the best slot machine to spend all your money on? Right. So in in that case, you've got these two slot machines. If you do a randomized control trial, you split it down the middle and you put half of your money into one, half of your money in in the other then your payout is not going to necessarily be as high as if you used some other method to, to like, I guess, adjust how much money you're putting in the machine based on what you've already seen. And that some other method is sort of what encompasses all of the multi-arm bandit algorithms. And there's different Ah. ways that you can do this rebalancing. Um, But yeah, it's basically an idea of trading off also what's sometimes called the exploration versus exploitation trade-off. Is there some things that I know and there are things that I don't know, and I sort of have to forego taking advantage of the things that I know about in order to explore something new. So this comes this comes up for me all the time when I uh, go out to go get a beer at a bar, where I have like the beers that I know that I that I like and they're good, but maybe I don't see my absolute favorite beer on the menu, and so I'm open to potentially trying something new. But I also see some beers on there that I know are like probably pretty good, and I'm not going to have a bad time if I order this one. And so it's always something that. I spend a couple CPU cycles thinking about a little bit is do I want to go for the sure thing that's probably pretty good or do I want to branch out and try something new and it could be something that's really amazing but I could also just end up with a beer I don't like that much and I would have been happier with just kind of the tried and true stuff so it's it's that Wait, exploration versus you're saying exploitation. I can do that with huh? menus because I've I've run into this problem before so before I was um it was around college that I decided, you know what, whenever I go to a restaurant and I see something that I've never ordered before, I'm going to order that thing, even if there's something that I know that I love. And I did that for like two years, where I always ordered something new. And then I, I stopped. And now I kind of order the same thing over and over again. But you're saying that there's actually a, a, a method that I can use to, I guess, increase to, to maximize my utility <laughs> in a way. <laughs> Well, I don't know that I would go so far as to tell you that the mathematics of bandit problems are going to be particularly suitable for that. Let's paradigm. pretend that I eat a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and you know exactly, you can quantify how much happier you are with uh, with problem with okay, you know, dish maybe, A than dish B. Never mind, okay. never mind. <laughs> but, it's hard well, to qualify. No, happiness. but it's illustrative of, you know, you had a very strong bias towards exploration early on. Right. You're like, I'm just going to try everything. And I... I don't care. I almost don't care if I'm going to like it or not. Like, I'm not going to try to play that game. I'm just going to try all the things. And then later on, once you know more, you see like, okay, now I know what I like the best. And I'm just going to zoom in on that. And I'm going to forego potentially uh, finding new things that I like more because I've at this point sort of seen as much as I need to know to like be confident in the decisions that I'm going to make. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's exactly it's exactly that trade-off of how can we deal with this in an experimental setup. So I have, you know, my two different websites that I'm testing and I see that one of them seems to be performing 
let's say significantly better than the other one. And so then I'm going to take more of my traffic and I'm going to route it through uh, the more performant one. And I'm still sending some people through the less performant one, but the idea is to sort of minimize the the impact that, you know, the hit that I'm taking by sending people to the, the crappy old website while still sending enough people through there that I'm that I'm getting meaningful data back out. So this is always sort of the thing that you have to be careful of is making sure that the statistical significance of your study isn't suffering too much as a result and you're actually getting meaningful results out. But potentially if you have two things that are imbalanced enough you can even, uh, you know, stop the experiment early with bandit uh, problems because you've you've arrived at the answer. You know which one of these is is the two better of them, and that's the one you're going to stick with. Mm-hmm. In fact, though, I should add that that sometimes opens you up to problems. And I was listening to a really interesting uh, podcast the other day. There was a guy who worked a lot in drug research, which we keep coming back to for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was saying that you know sometimes there can be uh, problems where like drug research just goes wrong and you, you reach the wrong conclusion in a, in a drug trial. And what ends up happening is then you have a bad drug out on the market, potentially for a very long time, either bad in the sense that it doesn't really work or bad in the sense that it could have um, side effects that people weren't aware of or weren't guarding against properly. They didn't understand the magnitude. And he said that that can actually be much more likely to happen in experiments that were trials that were stopped early. So they'll do this sometimes with, with drug trials where they, they start the experiment. It's a, kind of an A-B test. You split people up sort of evenly. And then if there's such a dramatic difference between the two groups, such that it would be unethical for them to keep keep up with the experiment where they're just like, no, we know the answer and we should just put everybody on the treatment right now. We shouldn't have anybody on the placebo. We shouldn't be withholding this this good medicine from anyone who has an illness. Um, those are the trials actually that, can be some of the ones that are most susceptible to to having them, you know, have to be called back potentially years later because, you know, there's just stuff that uh, you could have maybe been aware of if you had gone all the way through to the end of the trial that maybe just because of a statistical fluctuation, it looks like things are are better for the drug than they are and then they're really good. And so you're you're biasing yourself sort of in, in this paradigm sometimes to see better results than you would if you went all the way through to the end. So you have to be very careful with it and you have to make sure that you're, you're getting proper statistics to be really confident in the answers that you're getting. But the trade-off is that then, you know, if, if you do have a situation where one of the options is truly better than the other one, a multi-arm bandit can help you find it more quickly and with less of a cost than just a traditional A-B test. Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.